Amen. I want to join you this morning as we start a new series. Next six weeks, you'll get through this. I know uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about this week, a lot of us are going through. Um, I was able to go to the store the other day and talk to some people I've known for about 10 years and um, asked them, how does, asked the man, how's he doing? And that's when he told me, well, it's just me now. Wife's left, kids, it's just me. Uh, the man wound up spending a lot of years in the military, and he's about to retire, but he's about to retire without his family. Hit him like a ton of bricks, didn't see it coming. Uh, those uh, of you know about our church and our elders and our leadership, we have one elder now who got hit out of nowhere with stage four cancer, getting treatment. Hit us like a, a staff and leaders like a ton of bricks, but he's going to be healed. But it, it didn't see it coming. Um, talking about uh, if you were a college student, and you've been with your parents all your life, and then you go to college and your parents call you up and say, hey, I think we're done with our marriage. Uh, you get to pick and choose who you can travel with, to come, who you're going to be with during the holidays. Never saw it coming. Some of us are sitting here. You had family members. Uncles, aunts, friends of the family wound up abusing you without your parents knowing about it. Didn't see it coming. But one thing that this, script, this, this series will tell you is you'll get through this. Again, you'll get through this. It won't be painless. It won't be quick. But God will turn that mess into something good. That is what we call our thesis statement for this series. Won't be quick, won't be painless. Won't be painless, won't be quick. And God will take the mess and turn it into something good. And what we want to do the next few weeks is go through a guy in the Bible who qualifies really to say, life stinks, I've had enough. Because you try to go through the Bible and find that person or that, that story that covers our story. Because when we talk, we're going to spend the next six weeks talking about Joseph. And every one of us are Joseph. Every one of us can relate to Joseph. And I believe God put the book in the Bible to give those who are walking like Joseph and feeling like Joseph at the moment, whatever stage of his life he was, to give us hope. To tell us that we will get through this because that's a brave statement to say, you'll get through this. And then people say, wait a minute, now you don't understand the, the, the gravity of this. And every one of us, I can't have even say that is nothing important to you because perception is reality. If it's big to you, it's big to you. Amen. But it's, it's a strong statement to say, you'll get through this. And the first one is today, I'm going to talk about the pit. Young Joseph in the pit and how family members kind of turned on him. But we'll unpack that today. Because I can believe if you went through a hard divorce, that's your pit. If your kids came home and said, Mom and Dad, I'm re- I don't want to be bothered with you any longer, that's your pit. But we always have to remember, whatever you're going through, you will get through this. 
So let's open our Bibles in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 23 and 25. And we'll go over a couple things here and I'll give you the story and how it, the backdrop of this story. Starting in verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And he took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites sorry, coming from Gilead with the camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh and on the way to carry it down to Egypt. This is Joseph being thrown in a pit by his brothers. And they went to sit down to eat while he was in the pit. And if you go to chapter 42, verse 21, as Joseph was in the pit, you got to love these guys' help. Then they said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother that we saw in the stress of his soul. And when he begged us, we did not listen. That's what. This is why this distress has come upon us. They're talking about they're starting to feel guilty of what they've done many years ahead of time. But as you're sitting in a pit, there's nothing worse asking for help. And the very help that you're asking for is sitting there listening to you and not going to lend a hand. How many have been there? That's us today. If you look at the cistern, I mean, the pit is called a cistern. And what it means is basically you used to have water, you have water and rain. Water would come in after rain and store water there for them to do their crops. When it's empty, they use it for prisons. Now you're saying, how does a guy like Joseph, with a, with a brother, who wants brothers and sisters like that? How do you have brothers like that and the outcome of that? Well, if you go back all the way to chapter um, Chapter 37, verse 1, you'll see that these guys, the 12 brothers, are actually the, grand, the great-grandsons of Abraham. Their dad is Jacob, and they're a typical blended family. Let me give you an example. Joseph, mother's name is Rachel. What's name was Rachel. He has a brother named, which we'll leave later on in the series, named Benjamin. But also, Joseph had a stepmom called Leah, who had children also. And let's not stop there, because then they had two maidservants. This is Jacob's house, who had children also. So this is a very well-modern blended family. One man with four wives. It's tough of one. Y'all can laugh. She's not here. <laughs> Oh, she's listening to the tape. <laughs> One man, then the family, four mothers, brothers, stepbrothers. Just to top it off, Jacob favored Joseph. That he gave him this nice coat. And Joseph... He was actually Jacob's, um, I don't know, if you grew up in a big family, you have, the tell, you have the tattletale. 
Well, Joseph was kind of, he'll report on his brothers to his dad. And he favored him over all his brothers. And you will see in the very beginning, four times, they hated Joseph. They hated Joseph. They despised Joseph. So Jacob kind of knew. But he sent them out to check on him. Now, I wouldn't have went because they hate me, Dad. Now, here's the interesting thing is, those 12 brothers, including Jacob, I mean, including Joseph, represent the 12 tribes of Israel. You ever read the Bible and think, it's perfect. Those are perfect people. They didn't have, I mean, I can probably say, raise your hand if you have a brother and sister. You heard this line. Why don't you be more like your brother? Why don't you be more like your sister? This was the future of the kingdom of God. These represented the 12 tribes. So if you're in a blended family, you're not in a pit. No, I'm just kidding. It's normal today, blended families. And these were the leaders of tomorrow. I love the Bible because it takes it from down here to God's personal. Because he talks about where we are today. That's why it's such a special story. These are the 12. These are Abraham, and they all, again, on the Abrahamic covenant, (laughs) the covenant we all walk under. Now, they didn't start off as saints. They started off as a mess. But then we're going to go through the story how God unpacked it. Now, Joseph had a dream, and we'll cover that next week. And he went, this first stop was the pit. Second stop, he got in part of his house, taking care of him. Third spot, he went to prison for a little while. Got left there, abandoned, after he helped some people out. You ever help people out and they forget about you? Oh, excuse me, this is dude, this is strong. <laughs> Fourth prime minister. All those stops, though it seemed like it was a mess, God turned it for good. And that is our life today. You can have hope because Joseph had a dream. Every one of you have a calling from God. Every one of you have a destiny from God. One thing I learned this week reminded me, not learned, reminded me when I sat with a bunch of pastors. And you want to write this down. The source of all the problems that we have in trials, the majority of them, and you read this, in this, this scripture here, is this Satan. Reason why Satan hates you, he hates me. Most of all, he hates your calling. So if he can stop anything in your family from producing um, God results, he'll try any way, anyhow, at any time. If it isn't through me, through my children. But everywhere else, we have to recognize that. We're called into a fight. You said, I didn't let you. When you said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, you are in the battle because someone doesn't like you. And, we, and I talked to a couple of guys, we asked, 
man, does, is this always going to be like this? And we kind of said, yeah. How many believe it's always something? Because either I just came out of it, might have to go back into it. I'm in the middle of it. And if you're not anything, be encouraged. You're going into it. But today I can guarantee, I probably, I wouldn't be wrong if everyone is not going to do something in this season. That's why I want to, we want to share this, this message. So you're looking at Joseph from pit to prime minister, 13 years of preparation. Then another seven years before he gets to meet his brothers again. And sisters, again, we use this, pro- but you notice when I look through the Bible, one of God's favorite words is through. He never says, I'll take you out of it. He says, I'll just take you, what? And you got to look up scriptures to say, what does that mean? Well, here's a good one. Psalm 23, 4. We know this one. We just hate that part when we get to check, um, verse 4. Because we like to walk through the, you know, but this is where we go down here. And this is what it says. It says, even though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are what? Isn't that, isn't that assuring that he's with you right now? If you feel like you're in the pit, he's with you right now. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When you look up the right rod, you use a rod for protection as a shepherd to beat off the wild animals and to protect the sheep. The staff, you use as comfort. If you're tired, you get to lean on your staff. That's like God is that to us when we're in something. He, his word, his presence is our protection. And also, the staff, we can lean on him because he is the comforter. In 2 Corinthians um, 1, it says he's the comforter. The com- and you'll receive the comfort from God so we can comfort other people. So when you're walking through, he is with me. I'm so happy he's with me. Second thing is, Isaiah 43, 2, I love this one of my favorite ones. I have it on my, um, on my, day, on my um, iPad that it pulls up all the time. When you pass through the what? I'll be what? That's encouraging. And through the bad rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. This is amazing scripture. Because it's good to know that he's with you, even when you receive a bad diagnosis. And you're saying, He's not. Yes, he is. Now, these next six weeks, you're going to hear some testimonies starting in week four through six. The last one I'm going to give. But I wanted to share something with you this morning. I went to the doctor about a few months ago. Some of the intercessors know it. I hope I told you all. If I didn't, you're going to get mad at me, but it's okay. And I said, I I was sitting in the house one day, and my ear said, close off. I'm like, oh, boy, that's not good. So I did what a man does. He goes and throws a bunch of wax clearing thing in your ear, and you keep washing it out until it opens up. It didn't work. Then I have this high-pitched vo- noise. Shh. I'm hearing it today. 
And uh, I said, well, that's not good. I need to go, and I need to go to the hearing, go downtown to West Texas hearing. But great place. Well, she sits down with me. She says, uh, we're going to give you a hearing test. I said, I feel, I hear things on this ear. I don't hear it. I'm not hearing in stereo. I'm hearing mono on this ear. I hear high pitch and I hear low pitch. And some of y'all have noticed it when you come up to talk to me. And you guys have been gracious when I ask you to say, say it again. And don't, and don't after I tell you the story, don't come out in the hallway and yell at me. I can hear. <laughs> and uh, so she said, um, you can't. She said, what have you done? Which I've done. Spent in the military. I love airplanes. I'm out there with the engines running. Before we talked about ear protection. Yeah, well. So she says, you got not just this ear, this ear. Go close to 50% loss. Got to get two hearing aids. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, Ugh. she said, then she wants to be nice. What type do you want? Because you want the pretty one or you want the, I just want to hear. I don't care which one it is. So um, I went home, told this Donna, had the paperwork, haven't gone to get him yet. I just asked God to heal it. Sometimes I have good days and bad days today. I don't know what's going on. Sometimes it's good. The frequencies coming out the speakers. You can say, I can say every service sound great because I can hardly hear sometimes. And I told the guy, I'm going to have to get some in-ears when I preach because sometimes I lose it. When I have, it depends if I have a high pitch or not. But you know, God's going to get me through it. Amen. You know, is it, is it, is it, at my age, do you feel a little embarrassed? Yeah. Then you feel stupid because you didn't put, you know. But that's the devil. I know I'm getting older. It's fine. But unless I told you, you would have never known it. Some of y'all say, how come you can't hear what I'm saying? And I tell you, say it again, say it again. Because I got, sometimes I can hear high pitch, a lot of times I can't hear the low pitch. Okay? But that's what I'm going through currently. And I have good days where I said, I think I believe I'm healed. And, and the ringing comes back. And then the Air Force says, we can't pay for that. You got to pay on your own. And I'm like, really? Wow. <laughs> but I share that to tell you this. You get through this. Even your pastor goes through stuff. There's no special. In fact, I probably go through a lot more stuff because I'm like the leader. So they always, your test dummies always get hit first. So I understand what it means when life is, seems to throw you this curveball. And I know where it came from. But I know who will turn a mess into good. Again, guys, you're going to hear me say this. Just I'll, I'll take it away today. It, it won't be painless. It won't be painless if you have a diagnosis of cancer. You got to go to chemotherapy and you got to get radiation. It won't be painless. It's not at all. Or if you hurt yourself, something happened to you, you got to go through treatment. It's not, I mean, if you have a child who's blown, it's not, and they, and they keep throwing back at you and you're trying to build your relationship, it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy. The other thing is not going to be quick. Now, look at the Bible. God has his own timetable. You ever notice that? And my, my heart is to make sure I don't think that he's forgotten me, that he has it all together. 
because I want to look at a couple of people in the Bible. I look at Noah. It took him 120 years to get prepared for the flood. Can you imagine 120 years building a boat, there's no rain, and your neighbors, what are you doing now? Building a boat. <laughs> You're the dumbest guy on the planet. You're the dumb, every day, what are you doing tomorrow? I'm building a boat. Who told you to do that? God, who's that? What are, you, are you crazy? Now, the movie you saw, rocks don't talk to you, okay? So don't look at that. That's a great picture, but when the rocks showed up, I left. Anyway, uh, rocks don't talk to you. But 120 years preparation. I look at Moses, called by God, stepped out. Something bad happened. He wound up killing the Egyptian. 40 years on the other side in the desert for preparation. He was 80 years old when he got started. From the king, and he was in the palace with a burden. 40 years of preparation. Then look at King David. Young David, just in the, in the field. And he gets anointed. 17 years of preparing to become a king. 17 years. Over 17 years. Running from the guy you're supposed to replace. Wow. What was he doing? He was learning to be a king. So a lot of it that we're going through it's preparation. I mean, like, can y'all can say, can I have another class? <laughs> right? Is there a quickie? Can I take a mid No, you're going to take a five-year ter- journey. It's okay. You'll get through this. And the last one is, God will use this mess for good. 20 years, two decades later, the brothers show up. The dream that... Um, Joseph had came to reality. Joseph's dad died. They thought they were next. Now, there's something special about Joseph. We're going to read this scripture. It's, uh, go on, I mean, sorry, Genesis 50, verse 20 and 21. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God what? For good, to bring about many people should be kept alive as they are today. Here's the next one. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. After 20 years of being ejected by you guys, I maybe have to have a little problem about giving you something. I'll give you something, but it wouldn't be kind. But I think God developed the kindness through the trials. 20 years later, they were worried about happening. But what God was doing was, there was a big famine coming in the land. If the famine came without the land, without Joseph going there, the Egyptians would have all the food and the Jews would come, become extinct because they would have no food. God took a Jew, put him in the middle of Egypt, and saved the people. A lineage of not perfect people, just people. Remember the 12? Those guys. And he didn't have a... Because they were waiting for it. They were waiting for the, the uh, hammer to drop. It didn't drop. All the anger, all the grief, all those things weren't even present. Kindness. How do you do that? Because as you're going through something, you're always picking up something new. Because he went from this to this. Really, you can, he, can, he can go on Oprah and tell him how bad and unfair it was for him. But God had a different plan. 
God always takes what's messy and he turns it for good. Max Lucado said this in the book. He says, what Satan intends for evil, God, the master weaver, master builder, redeems for good. The reason why I said the master weaver, when you look at the word meant, but God meant, and you guys meant, it means to weave something into play. You meant something, evil will weave something into your life. God will weave something better into your life to repel evil because God will always, God will always, always trump evil. He trumps evil. He's not, he's, not evil. he's not even with evil. He will trump evil. Every plan that comes against you, he trumps it and turns it into good. Sometimes when we look at too much Star Wars, Vader, and there's no such thing. It's God and the devil under his feet where he's on our feet. But his influence can be very powerful at times in our lives, and I understand that. And whenever we see trouble, God turns it into training and equipping. Reason why this is such a special series to me. See if I can explain this. As a kid, yeah, as a as a teenager, I um Lost both my parents. I think I was senior year, had six months left to go to finish high school. And I remember my mom having cancer. And those days you couldn't go into the hospital because you were a kid. You weren't allowed in the hospital. So you had to sit in the car that came out. And I remember the night that she, before she died, because she died first, six months, and my dad died six months apart. I remember her trying to give me a sermon because she knew she wanted to be around. I was angry. But then she didn't come back the next day. I, I figure out what she was trying to do. Well, when everything cleared, she died. Then I watched my father just fade away. Watched one of the strongest guys in my life fade away and just could not come back. And it was being him. And we had a conversation. I would come home sometime. And he would watch the Mets game. Loved the Mets. Channel 9 was free. No cable then. And then he would go like this. Or he will go like this. So I went to bed one night. He didn't do either of that. I went to bed. Came out, but he was still in the chair. Had a stroke. Went to witness all. And I told you some of this story before. And I had some neighbors come and take care of me. But what I would do, which I want you to hear this. Because here's a mistake. When we're in the pit, we do something wrong. In the pit, you'll hear God, you'll hear yourself, and you hear the devil. That was my pit. You hear the devil saying, call it, man. No one cares. You, I got self-effort. I'll do this. Three, God says, I will get you through this. So what I would do, when everyone was gone, I couldn't talk to anybody. I wouldn't talk to nobody. And I had, I had family. Are you okay? I'm the youngest one. Are you okay? Eh, don't know what to say. I'm just processing. So you got to know funerals sometime with family. If you go through that, they come, you have your food, and then they ask, what are you going to do with the couch? What are you going to do with the cars? It's, it's real. And I'm the little guy. 
Were you kidding me? So they take it. We had a nice house in Queens Village. Then I had to wind up living with my sister in Long Island, Amityville. Y'all know about it. It's a famous place from the movie. And uh, that's, that's before you guys were born, so you don't know what I'm talking about. And um, I tried to get through school because I had to graduate. So what I would do, I would try to spend my time between Long Island and New York. And I had a friend that let me stay there. So I would pack my bag and then go to school, come back and hang out with everybody. And then I would go ahead and say, I'll see you later. Now, my friend um, thought I was going back to Long Island. And everyone said, oh, he's going there. He's going there. I will do this. Because I'm like... I don't know what to do. I go to the last place I remember. It's my house. All the furniture upstairs was gone. I had a couch downstairs. No, I had running water, no heat. I don't want to do this. And I would lay there, brush my teeth, go to school. There was an old song by Smokey and Robinson, Tears of a Clown. I was a clown, but no one knew I was crying inside. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't talk. So I would lay in bed, lay in that couch, and tell people I'm okay. Lay on that couch and yell at God and scream at God and tell him, oh, man, you love me. Why is everyone gone? I'm a force. I got no name. If I'm gone, there's no one left. I don't even know who another brown is. There's no, I don't know if he's existed or not. I know I got a little younger brother named Michael. I never saw him. He got taken off to the state. God, what is going on? I remember one prayer, though. If you're mad at God, who usually takes the hit, he can take your anger. He loves that. I have one prayer. Give me a wife and a, and a son that will love and carry this on. Just laying there, screaming, cursing, angry. Didn't speak. Till I met my wife over 15 years later. And I just blew up. I walked around, great at my job, mad at God, mad at anyone who was associated with them because I was in the pit. I can be, you can be in the pit walking around. And I went, met her, and opened everything up. Now, I'm telling you all this because it's not healthy. When she met me, my blood pressure was off the scales. I'm telling you this in this series when we talk about life groups and things. If you're going through something, you got to talk about it. Because when I got to talk about it, my pressure came down and I felt better. And then I started to see things a whole lot different ways. I got with God more. And I, I took away the... I'm not angry with you anymore. And he understood that. And you received him as my Lord and Savior and found out when someone asked you a question, would you do it all over again? You say yes. Because if I, didn't, if I say no, 
I wouldn't be here with these fa- you fantastic people. I would have listened to what the voice in the pit said. Just call it, man, because you're just a number. You're just a state. No one even knows your name anymore. And what happens when you're in the pit, people sometimes are screaming, come on, reach out. Let me pull you out. And a lot of times, all right, unless you have family and friends that say, I can see it on you, man. You're faking it. I faked it good. Like I remember, that's my favorite song, Tears of a Clown. You're all joyful. And here's the thing. I have that issue. I just take care of it. So everybody say, hey, how come you didn't tell us you're doing okay? I'm used to just. That's just one story. But here's what the great story is. God did all that. Not God. God allowed all that. Excuse me, because I'm going to mess up our theology. For me to stand here and share this and help teenagers when I was a youth pastor, to tell you that you will make it. You will, you will get through this. You're not going to die. You're not going to lose. You will get through this. Whoever's going through something, you will get through this. Don't care how bad it is. You will get through this. And here, prideful as I am, I would never share it because I said, What's, I'm a private person. And then God corrected me on that. You're just messing people's healing up because you're selfish. You'll get through this. Was it painful? You better believe it. Was it quick? No. You, it reminds you when you go back to the doctor, hey, do you have this condition? I don't know. I'm the only guy. It comes back up. But it doesn't stop me from moving forward and helping people. Whatever mess you're in, God's going to completely turn it for the good. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't going to share this today. But when we were singing this song, I said, who am I not to? Stupid. That's me, not you, me. And we have a series coming up, Stupid, so I can say that. He's a master weaver, master builder. He rebuilt my life. Reason why I shared this, the second thing I shared this story, because God seems like when we're going through, takes the first hit. Whenever I see a couple going through divorce, I say, stay in here, stay with God, stay with people, and they, they back out because they're, actually they're mad at God. Not God's people, they're mad at God. How would you let this happen? And who hasn't been there? But I'm here, you have a loving God who sees the mess, who walks with you and turns it for his glory. And then you become a messenger. And then he puts you in a place where you will bring salvation to a lot of people. Joseph brought salvation to a lot of people. He'll put us in a place, if we stick around long enough, and put us in a place that will bring salvation through Jesus through a lot of people. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just take a moment. First thing, if you have, again, if you even have issues dealing with your family, God says you got to forgive them as Joseph forgave them. Forgiveness is not 
<laughs> for them. Forgiveness is for you. The wall that you build will only be the wall that you stay in. And it's tough because you have memories that hurt you. It's tough when you have been betrayed. It's tough when you lost and you deal with grief. It's tough when you, deal, when you build your life on something, you find out that is not really it. It's tough. It's not easy. It's not quick. I wish it would happen tomorrow for a lot of folks. But it isn't sometimes. We just have to have the assurance that God knows. If you can pull up that scripture, Isaiah, one more time, I want to finish with that. You guys just, get, just keep your heads down the next two o'clock in the God. I'm just going to say something. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, and some of you might feel like you're walking through a fire right now, you're not going to be burned. And the flame that's blowing on you and growing on you will not consume you. Because we serve an awesome and loving God. Just give it to him this morning. He's in the new beginnings. Just by a show of hands, how many would say I'm in a pit right now? Just keep your hands up. How many else would say, go ahead now. No one sees it. Anybody else? Let me pray for you. Father, we need you, and I mean Father, a Father's touch, a Father's love, a Father's grace. Holy Spirit, we need you as a comforter to come bring comfort. Where is this comfort, God? We need you to bring perspective. Though it's tough, seem like the lights are going out, that we'll see you as a shining light to others, I mean to us at this moment. Father, I thank you for your great grace and your great love. And Father, I pray right now no one has done anything wrong that warrants you to hate them, that you are loving God, that you can take the criticism, you can take the anger, you can take the emotion, because that's what a father does. And I thank you that you are an awesome and loving father. I pray as we go through this series together, God, that no one would fight shame and embarrassment. They'll just go through complete healing. Holy Spirit, I pray as you tag people with those who have been through. I pray for divine intervention, divine friendships. Those who have been through something will meet those who are going into it. I pray those that came out of something will strengthen those who are going into it. Help us, Lord, to have friends, to be friends. Let us not be silent. Let us be friends. And I pray in your precious name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, God.
Amen. And amen.